Hello everyone and welcome to the Uninformed Handball Hour. It's Chris O'Reilly here with Alex Kulash. How you doing, Alex? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm rested, ready to go. You were on holiday last week. Tell us a little bit about it. Give us the highlights. It was, it was a lovely holiday. Puerto Rico. Uh, our goal this year is to stay inside the US and not travel back to Europe too much. So technically, Puerto Rico is a US territory. So uh, that, that fits into our rule. Um, and just a <laughs> lovely beach holiday trying to surf. Um, and I say trying to surf nice. because I'm just so frustrated with surfing, Chris. You know, <laughs> it's, you make a bit of progress, you, you buy a surfboard, you think, okay, next time I'm going to go surfing, I'm going to be good. And you're just back to square one. You're just being smashed around by waves. And then one of the day, two of the days, the, there are some pretty intense waves, uh, like up to 15 foot. Uh, and wow. one morning we're like, you know, we're, we're actually ready for this. I, I can actually paddle out. It wasn't as big as the 15 foot one, but there's some very, pretty big waves out there. And like, oh, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to paddle out here. I, c- I can do this. Get out there and nearly drowned at least three times. Like literally, <laughs> literally being held underwater by multiple waves, having to like, jump off the reef to to get above water and breathe before uh paddling in in defeat so uh frustrated <laughs> Sounds like a very relaxing holiday, it's so Alex. relaxed so relaxed <laughs> uh good stuff good to know you survived anyway and you're back for this show and uh yeah after our our recovery or uh in alex's case uh you know struggling to stay alive after the euro we're going to jump properly back in to the handball action now uh, for the rest of the season. We had a morning club last week uh, where I spoke to Kevin Domas about the European League. And actually, European League is going to be uh, a bit of a topic as well today for our interview uh, in the pod as we speak to Alfred Jonsson from Skjern. As I had a chance to speak to him uh, arriving in Gothenburg yesterday. Uh, for their European League game against Saberhoff. But we're going to jump around a few of the big uh, leagues and competitions in Europe uh, and see what has been going on there because uh, there's been big, been some big news in Denmark, in Germany, and uh, in the Champions League as well. What do you want to start with? So I, I want to start with like a bit of a theoretical thing, uh, maybe. Mm, uh, th- fun. Theoretical thing. And... It's it's been nice seeing the German and Danish leagues kind of take advantage of that European championship momentum. You know, you have straight away we saw some pretty big games in the Bundesliga, uh, Magdeburg, Kiel, Magdeburg, Flensburg. You know, these these big games matching up where people are like, okay, let's let's watch this. The Danish Cup had a. Um, the final four, which is pretty exciting. Again, capitalizing on that momentum. And the Champions League just had a round where things happened. And then we moved on. <laughs> so, 
that is I feel like there's there is that need to capitalize on the European Championship and some leagues are doing it well some competitions like like the Champions League I think is is just like they could dive into some sort of elimination or knockout and things could get pretty exciting mm. right now but we're still in the group stage we're still wondering what's going to happen um while, while the teams that are going to go through are already pretty much guaranteed so what, what would you recommend that in that case you're talking theoretical you want to have the the preliminary round of the group phase done by the time the the major championship is happening and then straight into the knockout rounds yeah exactly lots yeah. of knockout games we're talking, you know, three legs, five legs. Just get get the games in right now, uh, and then build up to that final four. Comparing it to football, for example, in the the Champions League um, knockout rounds are, sta- are starting now, and so at this time of the year, uh, of course, they have a a shorter group phase, and that's all going to change, I think, from next season where they they have this big old league table, uh, but. If there is like this big mid-season gap in in European football where you know the group phase happens and then teams can look completely different then after you know December and January by the time they go into the the knockout rounds and that is kind of that that could be reflected in European handball as well because if you take the the national team competitions into account clubs can look really different after that uh you know like a few years ago barca were always the kings of of reaching a new level after that international tournament players can get injured um and teams could have be relying on completely other players for that so in that sense yeah i like that because in the the format that it is right now with four more group games to go um i wasn't commentating last week so i was kind of like ah i'll 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 wait. I'll wait a bit. I'll wait a week or two. Exactly. And I, I think some of the some of the teams were like that as well. However, in the match of the week, there was what some people I saw were saying was one of the best best games of the season. Uh, in Kielce and Kiel playing a thirty six thirty six draw, which feels like a classic Kielce Kiel result. It does. Yeah, and I, I think. So, so so again that's a that's a match that could be that could be a knockout match you know that that could be the first leg of three and we have two teams battling out it was the one, only match that was really kind of uh had two big teams really fighting for it so uh uh Kiel interesting to see um again Kiel is a team to follow in this half of the season because uh, as a team that had kind of a lot of stars from the European Championship, we had Billick and Skipper n- not having as big as a role as like Eric Jonsson, who had a terrible European Championship. So yeah, it's, it's he's come back to life. He's <laughs> come back to life, but uh, uh, you know, Peckler also was quite good. He's back. So you know what we talked about, Keel. Will they change to adapt to? Um, you know, a bit of seven on six with the, their two new stars, Billick and Skipper. Not so much. They're back doing kind of the same thing as they they have been. You know, their three top scorers were Eric Johansson, seven, Ekberg, seven, Rankin, six. So they're still relying on the big shooters uh, as as they always have from the back. Um, and otherwise for Kielsa, 
Um, Alex Dushbaev is back in good form. Is it worth mentioning? Have you mentioned the the story with Kunku? No, I haven't. The last I saw about that is that he was arrested, right? For and there was an accusation of rape after the uh, the France celebrations in Paris. That and with that, Kielce basically was said he's not going to play for the team until this is sorted out one way or another. That's that's pretty much it. It is, yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, Concoud, I think, in the celebrations in a nightclub was. Uh, yeah, charged with attempted rape and uh, was was in prison for a while, but uh, I, that has gone quiet. Um, haven't heard too much except for, of course, Kielsa essentially removing him from all activities for the near future. But um, pretty crazy story coming out of there. No, the only thing uh, I'm seeing here in a report from AP uh, that... Uh, Konku's lawyer did not respond to a request for comment. Uh, attorney Mario Stasi told the French sports daily L'Equipe that his client uh, disputes the facts of the case. And uh, that's the only thing uh, I've seen at the moment. But I mean, that, yeah, in a situation like that, I think uh, Kielsa, well, that's the only thing they can do and uh, the right thing to do. We'll see uh, what comes from that. Not something you want to see. But yeah, to, again, Kiel staying top of the of group a um i think after that loss against magdeburg in the bundesliga they're probably shifting all focus to the champions league at this stage you know what what can you do they're um pretty far adrift of the bundesliga standings you know they're eight points behind fixer berlin now not completely unassailable but you know, they're and six points off Magdeburg in that second Champions League spot. So, again, not completely unassailable, but pretty difficult uh, sitting top of Group A, which is uh, probably a surprise uh, ahead of Allborg, Kielsa and PSG. Yeah, it's quite, a, it's quite an interesting group, that one with Kiel, 16 points, and then like a, a whole myriad of teams just behind them. Allborg, two points behind and then on 14, and then on 13, we have Kjeltsa, uh, PSG, and Seged with a minus goal difference, but up on 13 points. And uh, they had a, a big win over a team who probably on a whole had a terrible Euro in Norway, uh, in Kolstad. <laughs> yeah. That didn't go well for them at all. And uh, yeah, carrying that form into uh, a game which you feel like if they were... I mean, you can lose away to Seged. That can, of course, happen. But it, it felt like one of those games where if they could pull off a win, it would be another real sign that they're, uh, you know, a proper team. Uh, they didn't manage to get the win there, losing um, by two goals. And Sandra Saugusin going two from seven. And they find themselves currently in seventh place in the group. So out of the playoff spots. Yeah, uh, I don't know what happened to Sanders Hagson. He had one of the most outstanding first halves of the season I've seen from a player. He was kind of my MVP going into the the, the winter break and the European Championship. And then throughout the European Championship himself, he just completely faltered this game completely faltered um 
I don't know, maybe it's it's really mental with uh, Sander Sagasin. You know, we, we've talked about that with him. Um, and, you know, you, you kind of think about, uh, in a way, going to Kolstad is relieving pressure, maybe physically, for Sagasin not playing in the Bundesliga. But he pretty much has a whole club on his shoulders right now. The whole, you know, will this club survive fully sits on his shoulders while some people are you know jumping ship already he is he's standing firm he's extended his contract until uh 26 or 27 i think um there's also a few contract extensions for the likes of sigvaldi good johnson who got a contract extension until 2030 um which is a real statement of intent from kolstad um but yeah, they find themselves in trouble and they play Zagreb next, um, which is pretty much an elimination game um, for them. They do need to win that game. Um, they are at home, but uh, their other, you know, then they have Kielsa coming up and uh, Eurofarm Palace there, which they're likely to win, but still to get comfortably ahead of Zagreb, they... Uh, they probably need to beat them. Yeah, that's a that's a huge game. So there's your knockout handball, Alex. It's come a week later, but Kolstai against Zagreb is your knockout match coming up this week. <laughs> and uh, over in the other group, uh, there were no no real surprises in there. Barca, Magdeburg, and uh, Vesprem all picking up uh, wins as they uh, hold the top three spots. And that that is something else. Like on the Kolstai side of things, if they do sneak in and get into sixth place, then Probably a playoff match against Vesprem or Magdeburg is likely, which is not a great reward. Yeah, for sure. And it's interesting that Magde- uh, Vesprem, who've probably been one of the teams that have impressed me the most this season in the Champions League, they actually sit in third place in the group. And that comes down to some weird losses. Like, you know, they, they did lose against Barca, that's fine. But then losing by seven against Visa Plotsk. And there they are. They're sitting in third place outside of the automatic qualifications for the quarterfinal behind Magdeburg, behind Barcelona. And we'll, we'll have to play an extra game, which is which is a bit strange. Yeah, the Vesprem playing at home against Magdeburg in the last round there. That could be the decider in that one to see if they uh, will go in the top two. But also Magdeburg playing at home against Barca. So... Uh, it could open the door uh, for Vesprem. I feel like that group is going to go down to the wire uh, depending on how those final uh, couple of weeks go. And uh, besides, I will, we'll talk about Georgi, I think, uh, a little bit later in the Danish chat. But they uh, are relatively comfortable at this point in fifth place. It's uh, another uh, little knockout competition between Płock and Porto on the way between in 6th and 7th place, both of those sides on 6 points. And let me just see, are they playing each other? Yes, they're playing each other in the last round in Płock. So there, a couple of knockout games for you before the preliminary round comes to an end, Alex. <laughs> yeah, a couple over, over a couple of months. Over three weeks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the Women's Champions League group phase came to an end uh, last week as well, but we're going to talk about that 
uh, in more detail in the next podcast as we, we get a guest on as well and uh, see how those groups ended and look ahead to the knockout games. Uh, there's other knockout games here, Alex, <laughs> coming, but they had to play all through January after the Women's Championship, uh, which is a whole other topic on that. So uh, you fancy talking a bit of Bundesliga before we go into the interview? Yeah, I think I think Magdeburg are the team of the moment. And they came out absolutely hot um from the from the European Championship. Absolutely destroyed Ranek Leuven, Kiel, Melsungen, Wieslaplask. Look like an absolutely unstoppable team. Looked like Bernard Wiegert is never gonna shave his beard. <laughs> and then they lose to Hanover Bergdorf. Um, a team that is, uh, it's looking good. It's a team that has an upset in them. And, and they won 28-27 against Magdeburg, snapping a 150-day and 30-game win streak for Magdeburg, which is, uh, sorry, not win streak, unbeaten streak for, for Magdeburg, which is pretty, pretty insane. Um, this Bergdorf team, of course, is actually filled with a lot of the um, German under-21 uh, team talents that we got a glimpse of um, in the Euros. Uh, Renners Ustchins at right-back, um, Martin Hanna left-back, and Justus Fischer, the line player, all in this Hanover team, uh, which is bringing a talent. They ended up getting a last second in-flight goal from Uludoslav um, Kulesh, which may have been inside, but it is what it is. Hanover worked off, got the win. Dished out by uh, Branko Vujovic as well, so it's the old Kielce connection uh, <laughs> as they from, uh, from a few years ago. Uh, the two boys connecting for that winner. And Magdeburg up by four at halftime as well. You feel like in a situation like that this team is just gonna cruise in the second half but not the case and uh the team that looks really really comfortable uh all of a sudden now have some catching up to do uh with berlin the other team who are uh, running away with it and uh, the great thing is that in a couple of weeks they're going to meet each other magdeburg at home to berlin in what is going to be an absolutely like basically a, a title match. There's hmm. another knockout game for you, Alex. Uh, <laughs> that's that's going to be a good that's one. That's a proper, proper knockout game because uh, Berlin uh, currently two points ahead because of that. And uh, you mentioned Kiel being uh, six points behind Magdeburg. Uh, Flensburg four points behind. And I, I covered the Flensburg win over Reinecker Leuven on Sunday. Flensburg even... Uh, without Pitlick doing much, looking really, really strong. They finally seem to have properly found their their rhythm under Nikolai Krikow and uh, could be uh, an outside contender, I would say, or at least to, to confirm themselves as the best of the rest in third place there. Yeah, uh, of course, Fixer Blin Flensburg uh, is going to happen. Uh, on the 25th of February as well. So a uh, big game there. Um, and yeah, that's, that's Magdeburg kind of passed their gauntlet and fell at the hands of Hanover Bergdorf. Um, Fixer Berlin start theirs now with a game against Flensburg. 
Um, then uh, two games later, they play Magdeburg. Then Ryan Nikolovin, who have actually been terrible. Uh, oh, so, so shocking. maybe shocking. Ryan Nikolovin is not a difficult game. They've lost uh, seven games in a row in the Bundesliga, and they're just uh, they're just very unlikable now. <laughs> How did they go? How did they go from uh, a young, exciting team that looks like they're gonna? kind of take on the world to just ugh, what's going on here yeah I, I really don't know because you look at the squad and the players in the team it suggests like uh, on paper just like a really exciting team and uh without any real uh kind of weak areas i mean the the wing position the winger positions on both sides is a is a trouble for them at the moment with gensheimer uh gone grutzky gone they've had to sign tobias reichman and to bring him up from the third league. Oh, uh, wow. He, yeah, yeah. He's played the last two games for them. And, you know, and he's he basically went to the semi-retirement playing in the third division and, and then starting on the wing and taking their penalties. Uh, it says a lot. I mean, he's still a handy player, but he's not he's not as uh, at 35. He's not not able to do the uh, the fake shot in the air Double anymore. Clutch. Like, yeah, yeah no, not he hasn't got that in him, uh, or at least what I saw last week. Um, and yeah, we're basically, it's like Nicholas Kirkeluk are doing everything for them now. And Yuri Knorr just looks, he looks tired. He's playing with that kind of attitude. Andy Schmidt was the expert commentator uh, for Dine, the German broadcaster. And I could hear what he was saying pre-match. And he... He was basically just telling him to get over himself. <laughs> he's like, he's got a, there's a little bit of frustration there when you see Andy Schmidt talk about the team and over again, Simon talk about the team, two guys who really, you know, built this club into something that we all know of today and just see, I think that they're pretty frustrated with how the players and are dealing with the situation at the moment. And Sebastian Hinze, the coach, I think could be in trouble. Maybe Gensheimer for coach. <laughs> or or Andy Schmidt for coach, a, a magic coaching duo, perhaps. Uh, seeing as both are now going out of their handball c- playing careers, uh, but yeah, but it's a uh, you know the, you talked about the gauntlet there for both teams, and I think that result uh, with Hanover winning, you know, reminds us if we need any reminding that there is definitely scope for a couple more surprise results. Uh, you know, Magdeburg with their full squad, even uh, losing a game like that, you f- feel like Berlin with their kind of makeshift squad are going to come unstuck at some point against somebody. Maybe not to cost them the title, maybe indeed, but uh, there's one random ass loss in there or a couple of draws in there for them. You know, Lem go away from home, for example. Uh, it's it's still still up in the air. But shall we go into our interview? Let's. We're talking about Hanover with their victory and uh, smooth transition to a former Hanover player. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and last night, as I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, I had a chance to speak to Alfred Jonsson uh, from Skjern, one of the most exciting teams in this season's European League. And Alfred has had an interesting career himself. A uh, man who moved to Hanover a few years ago and with injury issues decided to take the, at the time, unusual step to go uh, back to Scandinavia, to go to Denmark to uh, re-establish himself. 
and uh, I spoke uh, to him about that, about uh, his attempts to come back to full fitness, his future as well for club and for country. Because Alfred Jonsson, a man who has played for Sweden at the World Championship in 2021, but is qualified uh, to play for the USA, having been born there. So uh, let's speak about that with him and hear what he has to say. But yeah, we're here, what, 10 o'clock at night? Yeah. I think this is the latest interview I've ever done. <laughs> yeah, I think so too, yeah. And, uh, well, thanks a lot for taking the time to chat. Uh, you're at Gothenburg to, to play Sebehoff yeah. tomorrow in the European League. Uh, it is a really, really interesting group and always nice to see, I think, a Danish and Swedish team yeah. face off against each other. Uh, a really good start to the main round for you last week as well against uh, Garanja Villania. That one went better than we expected for sure uh good start uh, really we really need the every point here and then we're kind of hoping for uh, next to to lose one point so we can get uh, the number one position there in the group and talk to me a bit about that game because it ended up being uh, 45 31 like an incredibly high scoring game yeah. that doesn't just happen every week take me into the when the game is happening like that and, and how the team is feeling uh, when pretty much everything you're doing is just working working out and turning into a goal. Yeah, well, it started off with an intense tempo and we, uh, yeah, they scored on everything, we scored on everything, we just kept on running the whole game. Scored, I don't know how many attacks we had and how many attacks they had, but it was just an intense game uh, where we think it's the most we have scored this season, yeah. for sure. Where we, yeah, every part of the game kind of got put together into a, we did a good game for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this squad for Skjern, I think, is, is really interesting in a, in a Danish context, particularly when you look at the players like uh, Noah from, from France and you have uh, Joachim from Portugal. Not the kind of nationalities as well that are classically in, in Danish club teams. And I think Skjern uh, is a club that we've always known to do things a, a little bit different. I mean, how is, it, how is your experience with this club and, and also with that kind of interesting makeup of the players? Yeah, I think we're the only team with players uh, from France and Portugal. I think they found mm -hmm. two uh, diamond games there. Mm. Good scouting there from our sports director, for sure. They uh, have high ambitions and then uh, those players kind of spice it up a bit. And yeah, it's uh, just a great, we have a great atmosphere there, the back players. What, uh, what was it about Skjern that, that enticed you there in, in the first place? Because you... Uh, had come off a, a couple of seasons in, in Germany with, with Hanover. And I think for like a, a player in your position, uh, at least on paper when it comes to you know, playing the national team for Sweden, uh, playing in the Bundesliga, deciding to go to Skjern and then going to the, the Danish league is not kind of the classic path, mm. uh, particularly for Scandinavian players. Uh, what was it about the, the club and their, their offer for you that enticed you? Yeah, I think Skjern as a club has a very good... Uh, the rumor about them is always uh, everybody's telling good things about them. Uh, and I think it's one of the most the top five most professional clubs here in, in the humble world. They do everything so perfectly. And I kind of felt I wanted to go there, uh, be a part of that. And that was pretty much the decision to do. Also for uh, developing my skills, uh, have a bigger role. Didn't have it in the start, but now it's yeah. more and more. So it was... Uh, I wanted to go there because it was an exciting thing for me to, to develop as a player. And you said that to also yeah. take the responsibility. And we have seen a few players you know, go from Germany to, to Denmark and then, let's say, maybe older players are looking mm. to, to relaunch their career. Like Gary Tolbring is a great example of that. 
going to Gay Gay. Mm. Was that kind of part of the thinking as well? Because uh, I mean, the the Bundesliga itself is, I'd say, it's it's the best league in the world, but it brings with it, I guess, certain downsides physically and also the uh, not being guaranteed playing time. Was that also some of the factors for you? I thought it was time to move, uh, and I felt moving to Scandinavia again was uh, the option I would go for. I don't know, one, one change and Scan was the, a really good option for me. So. Yeah. And it's worked out pretty well. Yeah, yeah sometimes, yeah. Ups and downs. Yeah, sure. you, you've spoken about your, your injury issues as well uh, that you've had over the, over the years. And, um, and how, how, how has that you know, impacted you as a, as a player as well? Is it, has it changed kind of what you expected at this point in your career where you are? Yeah, 100%. It's hard to have a, an injury and such an important part of your body and the knee. And you can't really practice the way you want to do. Uh, you can't really move the way you want to do. And in the end, it just gets in your head uh, where everything just goes bad. Um, so it was mentally uh, challenging as well. But now I got the surgery this summer and now I, I would say I'm, I'm back at 90% in my knee. So I'm only looking forward to practice and play games now. Yeah. And so Reba Esberg is the, the club you're going to next season, right? For next season, yeah. 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 Um, that, uh, that's another club that has been, you know, it's really interesting in, in Denmark, this kind of mid to upper table, like it's very tight, yeah. right? You never really know in a given season uh, who really is a contender. I guess at the moment you see Alborg and, and Gheorghe over the last few years of the top two, but then it's really open. Hmm. What's part of the, the thinking behind Reba Esberg then? Is it also a discussion about who else they're bringing in and the kind of team they're building? I felt, yeah, for both parts, Scan and me, uh, I think the best is to move on and uh, do something else. Uh, Reba Esberg was uh, a good opportunity for me. Uh, I had a good speak with the coach and the director there uh, got a good picture uh, we saw handball uh, in a similar way mm. and we kind of matched there so Grace and so you uh, started your, your career in, in Sweden down in, in Lugge in Lund mm. uh, you've played in Germany as well and now, and now in Denmark which seems to be the good fit for you at the moment yeah. uh, it's a uh, all three leagues very heavily uh, populated by Swedes, of course. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there are some, let's say, obvious uh, things to note in terms of the, the general level. But uh, thinking back on playing in, on all three leagues, are there any more kind of subtle differences that you you notice and you can tell us about? Uh, yeah, we practice a lot more in Sweden, mm. uh, more practice, uh, less games. Um, the level is, of course, not as high in Sweden as in Germany and in Denmark. Um, Germany was a bit tougher. The mentality was uh, way different compared to the Scandinavian style. And yeah, here it's just a good vibe. Yeah. Um, the players, we love each other. We have a great atmosphere in the team where we, the whole day, yeah, we've been traveling for eight hours, but it felt like two because we just chatted all the time. So the difference would, I would say the, like the, it's more like a community here. We we hang out way more here uh, together as a team and as friends. So, nice. so, so is that part of the also the reason why you want to stay? Yeah, that's Denver? a huge part for me. Yeah. Uh, it's super important for me to have a 
like a meaningful life and just not handball all the time. What else is there in your life outside of handball? What uh, I'm doing what? my thesis right now. Okay. Uh, in uh, kind of systemwetenschap, we call it in Sweden, like okay. data science yes. uh, kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it will, will be really nice to be finished with that. And that's based in, in Lund then? In, the, the degree, I started or? in Lund, yeah. but then since I moved to Germany, I had to start off again. Okay. So up north in Luleå. Okay. Uh, ah, yeah. So you be remote all the time. Yeah, ah, okay. All the time, yeah. How does that balance with uh, being a professional athlete then? It works good. I have a, a great connection with the teachers there. Yeah. They, uh, they help me. So uh, I think I have like a special treatment kind of way. Okay. Where, um, yeah, they help me and I. I do my work, so they are glad. Is that part of the uh, the traveling as well to around Denmark or around Europe for the games? Always a bit of time to. I had a seminar today on the way here, so (laughs) had to do that. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, take me back a little bit to uh, your early life, because as as we talked a little bit before recording, uh, we're aware that you were born in in Cary, Cary, in North Carolina. True. Yeah. What's the? How did that happen? How did your parents end up there? At that time, I think it was Sonny Ericsson. Okay. Yeah, they had a huge office in Lund where my dad worked, and then he he got an offer from Kerry in North Carolina, and he started working there. And then all of a sudden, I was born, and my sister as well. So, yeah, and you get citizen by by birth yeah. in America. So I got the I still have the passport, so I have a dual citizenship. Yeah. yeah. How long did you live there before moving back? Two and a half year. Okay. And then yeah. I went back to Sweden for. Uh, about a one and a half year again, and then we moved to uh, Beijing in China, where okay. my yeah, you got a new job there. So yeah. I've been been around a very really very childhood. Then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. I want to ask you more about the U.S. side of things in a moment, but mm-hmm. um, I, it's a leading question. I would say to something I'm going to ask you in a bit, <laughs> but uh, first about the the Swedish national team because uh, when you mentioned there about the uh, the injury issues and. And also a lot of changes for you uh, being in Germany and then moving to Denmark. You you were kind of flung into the international scene as well at quite an early age, mm. uh, playing for Sweden. I think it was what you were twenty one at the time, or twenty. How old was I? Twenty was twenty one. So I was twenty two. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah. And then made your debut, and then a couple of months later, you were you were in Egypt at that uh, mm. that strange World Championship. I mean, first of all, that must have been a. a great experience to be part of that uh, that world championship after these years and reflection what uh, what did you make of that experience and, and flying basically straight into the top level uh, it went kind of smooth we had a apparently we had a really good team I didn't think we believed in ourselves mm-hmm. before it and then we just kept on winning ended up in the finals where we yeah where we won against uh, France in the semi-finals and everything just went uh, perfectly uh, all the way through and it was uh, just an amazing experience to be a part of that and it was easy to perform with those uh, players around and, and the coaches and, and stuff in the intervening years you've had the the injury issues but uh, are you still aware, what is your relationship at the moment with the with the national team I uh, haven't really spoken to them in the last couple of years they have uh, other players that mm. perform on a higher level right now so I'm not no sad faces. I'm just uh, fighting every day to to trying to get back into that stage mm. and that scene. Yeah, 
And that, that's the leading question then. Because yeah. <laughs> there's, uh, there is, as I mentioned before, also a fair few American listeners to the podcast and also American handball media. And I know one in particular called Team Handball News, a guy mm. called John Ryan. Every time you do something that's online, like a viral goal or any news about you, he's posting saying, we need this guy. <laughs> we want him. I know Robert Hedin as well in 2020 had, yeah. had spoken about wanting to, to get you in. Have they spoken to you, the US, at all in the, the last couple of years? I've been speaking to Hadeen some, yeah, quite a bit, but I'm just right now I'm focusing on getting back to the Swedish national team. Mm. But it's, um, of course, I'm thinking about America as well. It would be a, an exciting, exciting thing to do. They have something going on there. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. For sure, I, I noticed some interest from people and media and, and stuff. So. I, I've always wanted to like, I have a, an American passport that I kind of want to use yeah. some sometime. And uh, it's like a dilemma where Sweden is uh, obviously better, but USA is also it's, interesting. Yeah, yeah they're, making, they're making some progress. And yeah. LA 2028 is kind of the, oh, the, say the, the hanging from the, the tree, this uh, golden opportunity. Mm. Um, and I guess I guess you have time as well in that sense if you're focusing on mm. on on building yourself up again. Uh, but it's something that is on your mind for sure. Yeah, yeah. it is. It's yeah. uh, it's a cool opportunity that I have that I will uh, take into consideration for sure. Yeah, it's good to maybe make uh, make the Swedes a little jealous as well. Make them <laughs> let them know that you have an opportunity if they're if they're too slow. Yeah, but yeah. they have players, so <laughs> yeah. you have to fight with that. Uh, position to be there so you have to perform okay earlier before we started recording about how uh, you you think handball is such a perfect sport for the the american culture uh what is it about it that you you think uh, connects so well or could connect it could connect yeah i think they uh, they have some good viewer numbers during some tournaments here yeah right uh the the fast-paced game the speed of the game i think and the and that the fans can come so close to us. And I think we are, I know we are more um, c- closer to the, f- to the fans in a way. Yeah. And I guess this would be a more a two-way partnership yeah. there between the fans and us. I think that would suit super well into to America. Is there certain aspects of American culture that you, you particularly are connected with yourself, even you know, besides the passport, anything you, you would like to experience over there? I want to I want to live there someday. Yeah. Not really. It's just a cool country with a, so, so such such a different lifestyle compared to us Scandinavians. Yeah, but you wouldn't want to go to Cary, North Carolina. No, I don't know. Is, is there a place in particular you're, you're keen on? Yeah, we're we're here in Sweden, so yeah. L.A. and New York and those kind of cities are yeah. more interesting. I'll, I'll leave you with, uh, with just a, a little thing on, on the games coming up this week. You're playing Sevehoff uh, tomorrow yeah. as we're recording. Uh, really interesting club as well. And uh, they've been developing some talent. Looking at the way you guys have been playing and the way that they play as well. Are you ready to run for another 60 minutes? It'll be a tough game, 100%. And we need to bring our the physical game into the game tomorrow. Uh, they are really talented handball players that if they if they are going to win they will need to use those those talents and we need to bring our uh, physical game in on the paper we are maybe 
a little bit better, but uh, they have shown now the last against Nexe away. That's kind of an impossible game, and they almost uh, went home with one yeah. point from there. And individual players they have for sure. It's a fun competition. I know the European League. It's been really in the last fun. couple of years. It's uh, it's very different to say the Champions League level. You expect a certain kind of thing from it, but it's a little bit of mm. a, a wild card every week, right? Yeah, more uh, fun places as well, yeah. like uh, small towns and uh, yeah, good teams as well. Yeah. I mean, uh, a Swedish team can come up and compare to being on the level as uh, next and us and. It's really cool. Nice. Well, I hope for your sake uh, that both of us will never have to do an interview at 10 o'clock at night again, <laughs> unless it's after a game in the arena. That's a bit more, but this uh, was really nice as well. I'm uh, glad really that you appreciate came. appreciate it. No, thank you so much. Thank you to Alfred. Interesting there as well. He's, he's left his future very much open. It's uh, not exactly a come and get me to the USA, but he has spoken to the coach, Robert Hedin. And uh, keeping his options open, I would say, in the uh, the build-up to LA 2028, uh, which I think will be very good news uh, for our American listeners as well, who are hoping for a player like that to really uh, take that team to the next level. So we'll stay on the Denmark team. And over the weekend, there was the Danish Cup Final Four you mentioned earlier, Alex. And in terms of the recent history, not a surprise winner, but based on the how things have gone this season, Gyogi winning the cup is not something we probably expected. Something I definitely didn't ex- expect. Uh, I think Alborg have easily been the best team in the competition so far, uh, in, in Denmark so far. Um, Gyogi off the pace, having their issues on and off the court, changing coach, you know, it's, it's also dramatic and the Santander Final Four in Denmark had drama itself, but a drama of the good kind. You know, Geoge literally uh, scraped through to the final. They beat Fredericia, who have actually been very impressive in Denmark. Um, in extra time, it was uh, 30-30 at the end of normal time, but then um, Geoge were able to kind of push on and uh, win 34-31 um, to then get that final spot against Alborg. Emil Madsen had an unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable game. He had 19 goals, uh, 16 of them in regular time, and three of the four goals in extra time with five assists as well. Um, he was outstanding. And he was spoken to on court he had like a flash interview on the court afterwards where he's just like lay, uh, bent over on the halfway line completely exhausted uh, as he's being asked about the game and uh, you know one of those situations he said himself like after a game like that you know I can't celebrate and I'm just really glad we're in the final because I'm not sure I'd be up for playing the bronze medal match tomorrow <laughs> <laughs> after a match like that yeah incredible uh, solo effort uh, from him and uh, yeah, both games went to extra time in the semi-finals also Alborg coming through uh, against Bjerringbro so setting up the dream final but uh, it didn't really turn out to be a dream final unless you're a Gyogi fan huh? yeah it, it it was a dream final for any Tobias Tulin fans um, <laughs> looking at you Chris O'Reilly uh, he, he he had a, a really outstanding game and pretty much shut down Alborg 
Um, and as Gage just raced ahead, and I don't know what it is with Alborg and this Gage team, but Alborg have some sort of mental stop against um, these young guns uh, from the from Foon, and really. Um, it, it was an easy, easy victory in the end for Geoge, uh, 32-25. Um, Mads Hoxer, uh, was a shining light for Alborg, but otherwise not too much going for them. Um, Emil Madsen still, you know, got himself eight goals in that final. He did manage to get up for it and, uh, uh, win another, um, Another cup, and they they do it in front of a record-breaking crowd of uh, over ten thousand people in the Yuska Bank Boxing uh, Arena. So uh, again, the popularity of uh, handball in Denmark for sure is is not doubted. Um, but yeah, um, interesting to see if Gauge can actually push on from this and challenge Alborg uh, for the the league title as well again the beauty of uh or the beauty or the terrible part of uh the danish league is that um you know the first part of the season is really to get into the playoff rounds um and uh, the top eight teams get into the playoff rounds so Gege, while they're a distance off Olborg at the moment they are easily into the playoff rounds and have an opportunity to get through uh, to the final and challenge Alborg, who have been the best team in the competition. Yeah, just one thing on the uh, on the, the middle of that game, and you mentioned Tobias Tillian having a having a stormer. Uh, just two goals in 19 minutes for Alborg midway through that game, which really cost them. And uh, by the end of that period, they were uh, 20 goals to 12 down and uh, and really no way coming back uh, from that as they lost by, uh, by seven in the end. But... Um, yeah, it, uh, I think it applies a little bit to to Skjern as well. Going back to uh, our chat with uh, Alfred, I mean, Skjern haven't had the the best uh, the best of times in the league this season, but they are going to get into the the playoffs almost certainly. They're in seventh at the moment, and it's not a complete reset, but but almost because you take a couple of points with you depending on where you finish in uh, in the league, but basically wide open uh for all of those teams going through and you know Skern could uh could get a couple of wins to take them e- even into the top four because they're they're three points behind Gyogi uh and that's gonna be uh that's gonna be a nice playoff round that's for sure I think if uh, if Gyogi are beginning to find their rhythm uh you know Alborg would be getting worried and uh there's some criticisms coming through now I saw an article from Bent Nigord uh, on uh, TV2 about this Alborg team basically uh, highlighting what you mentioned there about their mental block and you know kind of reminding everyone that this team that has spent all this money over the last couple of years actually hasn't seen any success since they spent all that money. Uh, you know, the last time they actually did something of note in uh, in his mind is is before all the big names arrived. So yeah, adding a little bit more pressure on this team on Stefan Madsen as well, who has uh, has orchestrated this team's rise before the before the money and the big names came in. Uh, so although they're top of the Danish league, 
and and doing pretty well in the Champions League. Nothing in the trophy cabinet uh, to show for it. So uh, that'll be yeah an interesting little storyline developing over the coming months. But I think that'll do it for this episode of the Uninformed Handball Hour. Uh, we'll be back uh, later in the week with a morning club uh, for those of you on Patreon, those of you not on Patreon. Good time to join as well, uh, just in time for the morning club. And uh, we'll be back as well shortly with another podcast on the Women's Champions League. So thank you to Alex and thank you to Alfred. We'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.